I tried a couple of different things that didn't really didn't really work, like a medical building company that failed. It's like how many times can you possibly fail and just like get back up and you know just just keep going and getting after it? I knew I really wanted to have my own business and I wanted mm-hmm. to lead people and I wanted to have influence and I wanted to do something that was meaningful. And uh, so I went back to the corporate world sort of gave into it and then was fired a second time, Jeff. And that was pretty much, yeah, that was the key to me. My wife was like, you just really can't work for anybody else. But thank God I had figured out this online marketing thing and I became an affiliate for a number of not so savory products, but was really good at it. This is the Customer Acquisition Show, the podcast that helps you turn complete strangers into repeat customers and grow your business. Welcome to another episode of Ready to Lead, the podcast that helps new, aspiring, and accidental leaders learn how to lead a little bit better every day and figure it out because nobody really knows what they're doing, let's be honest. <laughs> so with that raw open opening from, from myself, Jeff Mask, I'm not with my typical cohort, the guy who calls me handsome and I don't know what he calls me. It's stuff that makes me feel awkward every time. Richard's not here, but instead, yeah, yeah, he's very uncomfortable. (laughs) Instead, I'm really excited to introduce to you today, Ralph Burns. You've probably heard of Ralph if you've heard of the Perpetual Traffic podcast and, and the genius that he is behind that and the agency that he runs that enables him to really be in the trenches and understand digital marketing and traffic and and so forth. He's also an awesome author of a new book that I'm really intrigued by called Virtual Boss. We'll get into that or how to lead virtual teams powerfully. So today's episode is going to be a bit unique in that it's not Richard and me going back and forth. It's Ralph, which is super powerful what he's bringing about. And it kind of mixes things up a bit. So Ralph, welcome. We're so happy to have you. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be great. Awesome. I made a, I made a, an announcement to Ralph. I said, I know you, you released this book, which is awesome. And if I'm going to interview, I want to know about the book. And so sometimes I'll, I'll commit to read a book or I'll commit to just be aware of the book. And, and I thought this, this time I'll, I will, I'm going to look at a few, a few parts of it and really understand the nuts and bolts of it. And I told him earlier, I was like, I started doing that thinking I'd, you know, invest a few minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes, about an hour into it. I had read three fourths and I was like, this is just, it flows really well. It's really applicable. It's very helpful. There's a lot of great like questions and, and tactical things that leaders can use today. So Ralph, thank you for writing that. We'll, we'll get into that later. But when I shared that with you, that kind of surprised you. Why do you think that surprised you? And I said, man, it was just super easy to just read through and uh, maybe because you didn't think it was as good as I thought it was. Like, come on, man, tell tell me. Because <laughs> I think it was well, amazing. There was no surprise in my mind. It was awesome. No, no, I appreciate you saying that. I think when you when you write something, it takes such a long time to do it. It, it was originally it was totally. part of it was it was a training program. It was a man. It was a, really a manuscript for my first digital product, which ultimately hmm. failed. <laughs> which was a sales <laughs> management training, and you were in sales for years. I was in sales for years. So I was a sales manager, sort of ascended into that role in the pharma world and into biotech. And one of the things that I wanted to do is is ultimately have my own business. And it wasn't until I read uh, The 4-Hour Workweek, which my my wife gave to me on my ninth wedding anniversary. She gave me wow. that book and I gave her an Ethernet cable. <laughs> 
Jeff. I don't know. I'm pretty sure so I got romantic. the better end of that deal. <laughs> so like a lot of digital online people, like I read that book and I said to myself, holy cow, people are actually making money online. This thing called the internet. This is crazy. And one of the things that they said is, well, with 90% plus gross margins, you should create information products. So I was like, wow, well, I know a lot about sales management. I know a lot about like virtual leading because I was leading all these sales teams and everything else. So I created a manuscript and a product around sales management training, hmm. which I ended up selling two courses to <laughs> two people, one guy <laughs> in I, I somewhere in Europe and then another guy in like New Jersey. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that was it. So uh, this thing has been hanging around for about 10 or 15 years. And then, Finally, my wife sort of kicked my ass last year, the year before. She's like, with this pandemic thing, you've got to release this now. Oh, good. And so I rewrote it, and it was all the same stuff, and then applied mm -hmm. all the same sorts of things that I that I do, and I've learned experiences inside Tier 11, running a virtual company for the last 10, 12 years, yeah. and then came out with it. So I've been living with it for so long. When, when you said, yeah, I read it, and I really liked it, I'm like, wow, that's great. <laughs> Because <laughs> like by reading it the hundredth time and through the, you know, the however many yeah, totally, divisions we totally. did through the editor, you get sick of it. You know what I mean? Right. But anyway, right. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, uh, I loved it. Yeah, I, I really yeah. did. And what, what I liked about it is it's, it's super clear that it comes from in the trenches experience, not from theory and from stuff that sounds right. You know, very often you can read leadership uh, literature that you just know is is for academia or it's for something that sounds maybe politically correct or something that, that lands well on the ears. But the reality is it doesn't work when you lead people. And if you've done it enough, you know, that doesn't work. It just doesn't. And your the content in the book, it's just, you can tell it's like, yeah, he's done it before a lot. So I'd love to, I'd love for people to get to know you a little bit more. Tell us a little bit more about your origin story. You, you tapped into a little bit there, which I think was great. What, what, I guess the, the question I have when you said you were in pharma and selling and learning and then leading, what, enabled you to get the tr to make the transition from doing the work to leading people to do the work because that's that's not an yeah. easy transition i'd love to hear your story about that and kind of how that transpired yeah and it's not for everyone and then there's there were people that were my co-workers and believe it or not there's two guys i just reconnected with on linkedin they're still sales reps at the same company i was at when i first became a manager they have no interest in leading other people they just want to be the best damn sales rep in the world. And I think realizing that there's some people that want to ascend and some people that just want to be, you know, in the trenches doing the thing because they really love doing it. For right. me, I was always in, it's sort of, you know, a logical progression going into advertising and human psychology. I was always fascinated by what makes humans tick. Like yeah. literally still to this day, it fascinates me. I mean, we me could have like an esoteric like leadership <laughs> conversation. What motivates people to do the thing? Like yeah. how can I write an ad or create a video or an image or create a company that persuades people to do something that we want them to do? It's like, it's just this amazing thing. And I think leadership really does come back to your really, your, your marketing and selling and leadership are all kind of intertwined. So I was always fascinated by that, by the human psychology of achievement to a certain degree. 
you know, read tons and tons of books on this subject and lots mm-hmm. of book tapes, if you can even remember those, <laughs> back in the old Ford Taurus when uh, you and I were probably driving around for pharma. But the point was, is that I, that was always something that really fascinated me. And I felt like my first digital product should be something along those lines. And it wasn't necessarily the subject matter or the the content of my products I created, it was the psychology of being able to sell it to others, which having sold two product two of those things after spending like ten, twelve thousand dollars on Google pay-per-click to create my big list, two people bought. The point was is I love the the process of marketing and persuading. I got a lot better at it, you know, selling more than two people right. in subsequent products. <laughs> the point was is that it was just sort of a logical progression. I think it's all in related. I think you know people who are interested in leadership in general or just are fascinated by it just love that human psychology of what makes people tick. How can you get yeah. the best out of people? How can you draw the best out of everyone? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of my line in, in Slack. And I say that all the time. Like how can you unleash the potential of everyone that you know is in your charge or that you have influence over? And I, I'm still mm-hmm. fascinated by it to this day. I love that. I love a few things you said that I want to I want to back up a, a little bit about. First, I love that you make the point going from an individual contributor to a leader doesn't have to be the path. Very often people assume that is the path and so they think, well, I, I guess I need to lead people. So there there may be people listening right now that are kind of in that transitionary state. If you're not sure, that's fine. You don't have to lead people. But, you know, understanding why leading people and what that what that what's behind that for you it was just a deep love of psychology and what makes people tick and and persuading them and influencing them to, to do good and to be good like that that commonly is a, is a good path of leadership because you really care about people and mm. you're interested in them but i love the point that there are many very successful people in their careers that don't lead people unfortunately the system is created in such a way to do people into thinking that the only way to make more money and or have more influence or what what have you is to lead people. And it's just not helpful. So a little sidebar for those that have never read or heard of Pat Lencioni's book, The Motive. It's a great one. Just a quick read. It's a great, great story that like Pat, Pat's typically are just a great question of why do we actually lead people? And if you are already leading people, very, very valuable. If you aren't and you're not sure, also just as valuable. So great, great stuff there. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So you, you know, you transitioned from individual contributor, you led lots of people in different industries. Then you left pharma and started your own digital, digital marketing agency. I think the first one was 05-ish, if I remember correctly, as I was looking at your bio and learning. You have two different companies you've done over the years. Tell us about those companies and what you've learned in leading people in, in those companies and, and that you've I've presumably sold more than two products in those companies, as you alluded to. <laughs> right, right. I'm joking. I know you have. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I worked in the pharma world for, for a while and then went into biotech and then the, in biotech, which was a great, that's where I got my first sort of management job. And I just felt like I had sort of made it at that point. I was leading others. I had a district of like 12 sales reps and I was going out in the field with them and using all these motivational tactics that I were kind of clumsy back then, but it's <laughs> sort of refined. But yeah, I mean, the evolution was from that job. <laughs> there was, was talking about the origination story. I was fired from that job and a big sort of FDA kind of shake up. And then 
took like two, three years to develop a real estate investing company, which we still have to this day. So that's technically the first business I ever like created that still is going on in that time. I tried a couple of different things that didn't really didn't really work, like a medical building company that failed. It's like how many times can you possibly fail and just like get back up and you know just just keep going and getting after it? I knew I really wanted to have my own business and I wanted mm-hmm. to lead people and I wanted to have influence and I wanted to do something that was meaningful. And uh, so I went back to the corporate world sort of gave into it and then was fired a second time, Jeff. And that was pretty much, yeah, that was the key to me. My wife was like, you just really can't work for anybody else. But thank God I had figured out this online marketing thing. And I became an affiliate for a number of not so savory products, but was really good at it. And was persuading and convincing people to buy these things, sometimes maybe against their will. I don't even want to like think about some of those things. But anyway, the point was, is like the affiliate world back then, 10, 12, 13 years ago, was like, go, go. There's a lot yeah. of really shady stuff going on. So anyway, but it was a great, it was a great, like, you know, working ground for me to hone the craft and get really, really mm-hmm. good at it. And then ultimately started to take on customers after the affiliate world was just something I didn't want to pursue. Mm-hmm. And it turned into this agency. And mm-hmm. I'm still fascinated by persuasion and, and marketing and how human emotion works. Mm-hmm. It was probably in and around that time I bought my first Ryan Dice product, 43 split tests, I believe it was. <laughs> and then, you know, five, six, seven years later, I joined War Room. He's like, that's the mm-hmm. fastest ascension I've ever had. Although you could have compressed the time a little bit more, you know, from a $43 product to a whatever it is, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 product. But anyway, so like and the agency was all about just uh, understanding persuasion, obviously, from a digital perspective, but also influence. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I started just myself and a VA and then eventually started taking away my own individual responsibilities and hiring people that are a little bit better than I was at that particular task. And that's how we grew the whole thing to today. It's, you know, 60, 70 people in, in 26 countries, I believe, six continents. That's we've so been cool. virtual operating this way, you know, ever since for 10 plus years. So good. Two, two things I want to pick out from that. So good. Doing work that our spidey sense tells us, eh, I don't know if I totally align with this. You know, as you mentioned in the affiliate world, you're like doing stuff and you, you learn great marketing skills, you learn great yeah. persuasion skills, but the stuff you, you were representing and sending to people, you, your spidey sense was going, I don't uh, know about that, right? I think a lot of us can, can definitely relate to that. And I think it, it props to you to, to recognize it and then say, yeah, I'm going to choose to do something different. But even though it was super lucrative and you were super successful at it, you still found a way to say, I'm going to change that. To me, that's leadership, right? It's like, it's knowing and there's a, there's a way to do something. I, I want to do it this way. This either ethically or morally or something just isn't right. I'm just going to have the courage to do something different. So mm-hmm. anyone that's listening that might be in that place, no judgment to you. Just listen to that voice to say, you know, I'm going to do what I know to be true and right in my that's integrous with me and do that. All day, every day, that's, that's a, a more effective outcome, even if it means less money in the short term. Long term, you're going to be more successful. So props to yeah. you for, for learning that and doing that. I didn't, I wasn't actually going to make this episode about ethics and morals, but you know, you said that and I was like, good for you. That's cool. <laughs> well, it was well, hard because I mean, I was, yeah. I was making a couple of thousand dollars net per day. Like that's a good yeah. day when it's just <laughs> you and your laptop and trying to live a virtual lifestyle. So it was hard to give up, but I eventually sure. sort of said, 
I got to face my kids on some of this stuff. And the (laughs) affiliate world started to kind of self-implode. Anyway, it got to the point where it was ridiculous. And so it was good for the industry. And But I was a super affiliate. I was spending $100,000 a month. My Amex bill kept coming in. And then I'd get commissions. And hopefully those were paid. And I, you know, whatever the difference was, it was arbitrage, really. But it was a great way to learn this stuff today. I don't recommend that path necessarily. (laughs) But I did choose a different, much more you know, ethically sound path. And it's the same path I've been on ever since. For sure. For sure. And so that's the second point I want to jump into when you said, you know, now the agency you're leading, you've got 60, 70 people in 25 different countries. You've been leading virtually for a long time, right? Which, you know, brings back the book that we mentioned before, being a virtual boss. Again, I can tell the author of said book, uh, who I happen to be speaking to and looking at, has led virtually for a long time. You can just tell. You've led for a long time, A. You've led virtually for a long time as well. There's nuances between the two. There's a lot of overlap, of course, sure. but there's nuances. So I, I'd love for, for you to share a little bit why, why the book now. Obviously, COVID, I'm guessing, but was there anything else? I mean, you already kind of alluded to the fact that your wife said, man, you've had this. Go Go kind of brush it up and the world needs it. Was there something that she saw or or felt or that you saw or felt that you said, you know what, I need to get this book out there a little bit more pr- predominantly? It was her, for sure. Like most good things, I will say, in my life, especially in the last 20 plus years, have originated from some kind of conversation with her. That. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is about the Warren Buffett says it. It's about the woman that you marry, really, like the partner in life. But anyway, it really did make a big difference. But she tends to sort of push me when I don't really want to get pushed in certain directions. Like, ah, it's been sitting around for so long. It's stale. She's like, no, 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 no. Like you need to redo this. Like this is going to be something that people are really going to want to understand because it is tactical. There's strategy to it, but there's a lot of like, hey, you're in the weeds, you're on this sales call or you're in this meeting. Like what are you going to do in this particular situation? You know, or you're on a Zoom call. How do you handle X, Y, Z? It's very tactical. And COVID was just sort of happening at that point in time. And we weren't really sure what was going to happen. And we look at today it's it's fundamentally shifted the way that that work is done and that mm-hmm. workplaces exist so i think it was a timely book to come out and we'll obviously be talking about it a lot more in our our tier 11 marketing in the coming year but the point was is i think it was the right time to put it out there and it was really mm-hmm. it was her more than anything and just giving me the confidence to be able to do it totally. um, because, you know, like whenever you like your thoughts, like I'm not like an overly, you know, I guess I am egotistical to a certain degree, but it's like sometimes I, I, just, I didn't really think it was that great. And she's like, and yeah. then I had a couple of people read it. They're like, oh my God, you got to put this thing out because yeah. people need to know this. They don't know how to do this thing called virtual leading. Totally. And it's not a perfect system by any stretch because we're humans. But the point mm-hmm. is, is it's a good guidebook for a manager who maybe finds himself in the first time in this position, what do I do? How do I do it? How do I create followership is really yep. what it's all about. And totally. I, I think the book does the job there. I totally agree. I mean, ju- just the title alone, I'll read it for everybody so they can hear it. Virtual Boss, a practical guide for masterfully leading and managing remote teams. Just, just I'm going to pick that apart a little bit. First of all, virtual, great. But notice the difference. He, he, he brings in the, in the title, masterf- masterfully leading and managing. 
there are, there, there's a difference, right? And, and then adding remote teams. Mm-hmm. Leadership is management. Management is leadership, ideally, right? You can marry them. But there are differences and nuances of the two that, that I think are important. And the fact that it's a practical guide. That's what I loved a lot about it. There is tons of practicality. There's a lot of tactical steps, one through seven, when it comes to this conversation, remember this. And then this action step here. And then take note of how you behave here and write this down. Like stuff that actually will improve behavior for a leader and a manager, depending on what task you're talking about. By the way, for those that are curious, the way that I define the difference of the two, I believe you lead people, you manage numbers and processes and systems. Mm -hmm. And you got to do both. And, and so leading hearts and minds require a different type of thinking and communicating and being, whereas managing systems, processes, and numbers and so forth, that's a, that's a very different part of the brain and heart that we use, but both are needed when you're leading people. So anyway, that's, that's why I, I like the nuance and the distinction, because I, I agree they're very different, but too often we confuse the two or we think it's one or the other, and it, there are different skill sets. So yeah, thank I you agree. for writing it. I, I think it's, it's really helpful. And like I said, it, it totally sucked me in in ways that I didn't think I would. And I just kept going. I was like, man, this is really good because it has, like I said, good, good relevant stories that catch you. I, I'm a story geek, right? I love stories. But they're super applicable and they, they teach the point really well. Then you give some, and here's the what to do's, what not to do, some gotchas, some checklists, other things that I just kept reading. And then because I'm a geek with leadership, I just couldn't help myself. And it's a great book. So thank your wife for me. Seriously. I will. She, <laughs> and obviously, thank you for, for doing it as well. But I think, you know, in this world that we're li- living in and leading in, we need all the help we can get. We're just coming across things that we haven't seen before and that are a little nuanced, and a little harder. And so thank you for doing that. I'm curious as you're leading your team currently and you're, you're seeing the virtual side of things. If I, if I understand you correctly, your agency that you're leading currently has never really been a brick and mortar. Everyone's in the same spot. It's always been virtual, right? Right. No, never brick and mortar. I mean, we've gotten together as a team in various incarnations mm-hmm. a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Our leadership team gets together every 90 days. Now, now we do physically because we've got people all over the place. But but yeah, I mean, the 90 day meetings for us is really, really important. But yeah, it's always been virtual. It's just grown awesome. and grown. Yeah. So good. What, I have a few of my clients as well that their companies have been around a decade plus as well. And they've always been virtual, which so with, with the pandemic and everyone going virtual, they're like, what's the big deal, everybody? Just get, get on with right. it. <laughs> right. But others that are used to leading face to face that are now don't have some of those everyday interactions that they used to have and some mental health check-ins and just some, hey, how are you doing? It's really hard to lead. So thank you for again for this book. So it's great stuff. So I, I want to ask another question about the book. If you were to sum up like, you know, what, what are maybe the top three value-add points that you have or maybe some sections or areas that you feel like, man, this is super helpful for leaders. Wish I would have had this in the past. This is why I wrote it. What comes to mind for you when, you, when I ask that question? <clears throat> yeah, I would say, I mean, there's a second book to this. It's like how to virtually hire people, which couldn't quite fit oh, into the of this book. <laughs> so, which relates back to the answer to your question. But I do think, and this is not a sexy thing to talk about, is that leaders don't really have the right to lead unless they establish trust. Hmm. And that is the entire first section. And it's not like this soft skill that people are like, yeah, 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 whatever. But I, I go back to it all the time. And it really is about 
having your people's back. I mean, you have to hire the right people to begin with. We're just going to assume that we can get into a whole other conversation all right, about that. Right. <laughs> but you hire for the specific values that you have for your organization. Or when hmm. I was first hiring, I just knew like the kind of people I wanted to be with. And just, it was much more loosey goosey as opposed to the Patrick Lencioni way, the ideal team player, which we definitely worked into over time. But at the mm-hmm. very least, people won't follow you unless they actually think that you have their best interest in mind. And right. that comes from trust. And trust is really hard to earn. And it, you can lose it like that. And I think as a leader, you have to constantly be you know, putting deposits in the trust trust account, which is, I think, the first entire chapter is right. is all the way from the first hire all the way through to everyday activities, yeah. and it really has to do with managing behaviors, not necessarily the person per se, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and separating those two things out. And people are going to make mistakes. People are going to do the right things. And you're, you're, you're reprimanding the behaviors and you're praising the behaviors. The person feels good as a result of it. But like the reprimands is something that you have to do. Like you, like people are going to screw up. Right. And like, that's part of it, but you, it's a, it's actually a, a trust building moment, believe it or not, if it's done in the right way. And that's what keeps people loyal. The, the people that have, you know, have, have either left tier 11, very few of them, or even some who decided maybe to move on and we retain them. It was because we were falling down on the appreciation factor. Like these are high performers, the types of people for us, it's like the five core values, they hit the five core values and we want to keep them around. But because we grew so fast as an organization, mm-hmm. we, you know, stopped, I hate to say this is a Ryan Dice expression, but eating our own dog food, we weren't mm-hmm. doing some of the things to retain and to grow our employees. And that was losing trust. Like they're like, well, your company wants to grow here, wants to double in size yet again. But what does that mean to me? Yeah. Well, what it means to you is X, Y, and Z. Let's make sure mm-hmm. that every 90 days we're going through, how are you developing as an individual? Mm-hmm. How are you developing personally, professionally? What can I do to assist in your development so that you can enjoy the fruits of this growth? Because I remember in Big Pharma, like there was this, <laughs> you know, I remember when I forget which book it was by Jim Collins, maybe it was his first one, but it was like this BHAG thing, this big, hairy, audacious goal. And our CEO came up at this big sales conference, Bob Ingram, I think it was his name, perfectly manicured nails and $20,000 suits. And he's like, we're going to hit $3.1 billion this year. This is our BHAG because he had read Collins' book. And I'm like, I don't give a crap. Right. Like, How does that help me meet my quota? So you have this big goal and then you have this disconnect on the yeah. rank and file level. It created an enormous amount of distrust. I'm like, this guy you know, arrived here in a limo. I came here in my broken down Ford Taurus. I couldn't be more apart from him and right. more different. So I think one of the things that, that I try to do consistently as a leader is marry the vision of the organization with how it affects the individual person. Mm. And yeah. that creates trust. They're like, this guy's got my back. This guy mm-hmm. actually cares. I'm not just a number out there trying right. to get to the big goal that's going to make him rich and drive off in a limo or buy a Lambo in our industry for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? So it's like having that connection 
and getting people to really buy into who you are and you buy into them. And it starts with trust. And I, I think yeah. it's, it's not something people talk about all that much, but it has to be an intentional thing you do every day as a leader. Agreed. And it's why it hooked me. Because if there are two topics that we repeat more than any other topic on this podcast, it's mindset and trust. We go back to them all the time. And we have models yeah. for both of them that we talk about all the time in sure. trust. It's the triangle of trust that we've created that, that has vulnerability, transparency, and consistency at the heart to, to, to create sustained trust with a whole bunch of stuff behind that. But you just mentioned all of that, right? You, you mentioned everything you just shared is peppered in that model. And it's like, yep. Totally. Build that trust. Show the appreciation. Know how to give really powerful and helpful reprimands that actually and ironically build trust when yes. done effectively, right? <laughs> they, they really do. And it's when amazing. you don't, yeah, when you don't and you're scared of it and you need to be liked or you're, you avoid conflict, it actually erodes trust. It's it, super counterintuitive, but so it's true. true. So true. Both of the individual the and the others, the others that are watching it and they see it going on. They're like, how is this tolerated? And and then subconsciously trust is getting eroded. It's yeah. very subconscious. So yeah, yeah I, I love that. I'm, I'm glad you, you teased those out because man, it's critical. I love the point of appreciation as well. And I mm -hmm. love the point in the book, how specific appreciation in the way that they need it is so critical. And like you mentioned, do they like it publicly or privately? Do they like it spoken or written? Know that. And that's where the golden rule doesn't work. Don't do what works for you. Work, understand the individual well enough to know what type of appreciation really makes them sing and makes them excited and helps them feel truly valued. And dare I say, loved, right? Yeah. <laughs> Turns yeah. out people need to feel that, right? It's okay. So they, they do. That. They need to know that their boss, the one who controls their professional future, cares about them. I mean, you don't have to be best buddies with them. Like I'm not right. best buddies with all my leadership team, but I love them in a way which is very different than like, I love my kids. But like the point is, is like, we're and I use this analogy a lot. Maybe we're going off on a tangent here, but we're a sports team. We're not a family. Like we're performance based. Right. We're a performance based organization. Customers hire us for a specific purpose to scale and grow their business. We have mm -hmm. to do that. We have mm -hmm. to do it within the ethical confines of how, our business operates but if you can't do that then sorry this isn't the place for you and mm -hmm. so they all know that it's a zero-sum game to a certain degree so our relationship our love so to speak is based upon a performance metric of being able to support not only the organization and its goals but also each other and all of that is really really important and it i i hate it when i hear leaders say oh we're like a family it's like Bull crap! It's like you can't be a family. You, you can't fire your brother. Like he's still going to be your brother. And God knows I tried. <laughs> by the way, just just so we're clear. No, I love my brother. But anyway, the point is, is like we try to create that performance-driven culture, and it's it, it's it's not ruthless. It's just rigorous. And that's right. another Jim Collins expression. You see a lot yeah. of Jim Collins in this book, by the way. But right. the I did. I did. Is, I saw it. I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're probably like, oh, yeah, he stole that from there, no. there, there. No, yeah. no, no. No, I mean, let's be honest. Anyone who's living the life of leadership right now and helping and teaching and coaching people, no one's making anything new up. Right. We're just not. We haven't for, by the way, a thousand plus years. Right. The, the deep thinkers of the past of Aristotle and Socrates and others. Now, I will say they, they probably were some pretty good inventors. But yeah. so much of what's happening today 
just regurgitated, repackaged. It's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with that because there are different authors and leaders that, that resonate better with other people. That's fine. However, yeah. we, wherever we find our value and our truth, great. I will likely never create anything that has never been thought of or done before. It's just, it's okay. Yeah. The point is, the motive is to help people. And Absolutely. If, if what I share resonates with people and it connects with their heart and their mind, great. If what you share and what you wrote does the same, beautiful. So and it's in your own I, individual I, package. I mean, one yeah. of my early motivational people that I've you know listened to his tapes for years and years, and my the, the four Taurus or whatever car it was was Tony Robbins. Like none of that yeah. stuff that he ever created was his idea, but he packaged right. it in, in his own way. unique yeah. way. Right. And right. it became him. But still, the ideas were just other people's ideas. Mm-hmm. But with his spin on it, I think it's the same thing. And I think you just have to find, you know, that leadership guru or leader or, or, or coach that, that resonates with you. And yep, totally. that's what this book totally. tries to do. It's awesome. So last question, um, and then we'll kind of wrap up. But I, I'd, I'd love to know, from your perspective and leading as long as you've been leading, what do you think is the main difference between leading in person versus leading virtually? What would you say, or maybe differences, if, if there's one or three that you can think of that off the top of your head, what, what are the differences between leading in person and virtually? Yeah, I mean, I think the, you have an advantage in person in the fact that the, the subtle, like nonverbal communication cues are picked yeah. up. Which is, which is hard to do virtual, which is the reason why we have, believe it or not, we actually have an HR strategist or HR director now because we've reached a larger size. So, and I said, hey, a couple of rules here at Tier 11 is, first off, you never miss a team meeting. And if you do, you have to be like deathly ill or in a really bad spot time-wise, time zone-wise, but you have to listen to the recording. The second thing is, is that you have to have your camera on at all mm. times. Interesting. Because what we found, and I think what this even is, is you know, referenced in the book, is that when you're doing a lot of your virtual leading by written communication – Written communication can be taken a lot of different ways because if you're face-to-face, like we're looking at each other right now inside Riverside, which is great, but still, something's lost, you know, but we still do have the face-to-face communication, and right. it's the nonverbal stuff. And believe it or not, the thing that allows us, the key to us being a virtual organization is the emoji. I can't tell you how important the emoji is because you say some comment some way. If you don't put the little, you know, happy crying face at the end or the grimace or whatever it is, it gets misrepresented. It might be misrepresented. So whenever we're doing any sort of written communication, this is part of our training. It's like how to use Slack, how to communicate with people because you don't have the luxury of the face-to-face. The, hey, I'm at the water cooler. Hey, I'm going to lean over the top of, you know, the, the cubicle and talk about some, you know, customer issue. You don't have that luxury. So be very, very intentional with your written communication. And we go into that fair amount in the book, but the emoji, mm-hmm. I swear to God, like without mm-hmm. that, I, I don't know as if we could operate <laughs> as well as we, as well as we have because of that yeah. nonverbal thing. And I think that's something that you do lose physical versus virtual. I mm-hmm. will say this though, the flip side to that, and one of the big advantages of virtual is the lack of 
office drama and office mm. politics. And it was funny. We got our team together like three years ago and we had like an incident between like a guy and a gal. And I'm like, oh my God, if we were in a virtual office, this would be an ongoing thing. But it was like two days. And mm. anyway, it all resolved okay. But the point was, is like, that just reminded me the power of a virtual organization is that you don't have to deal with any of that office politics. Because I did work in an office for a bit of a time, like, you know, not mm -hmm. full time. I was always sort of on the road and so forth. But there was always that dynamic and all yeah. that like, you know, backbiting and talking and everything else. And you really don't have that yeah. in a virtual organization. So pros and cons there, I think are, are, those are two biggies. For sure. I think, I think the, the key points are recognizing that interpersonal behaviors and communications, they're different when you can't see and feel and even zoom or, or Riverside, whatever, whatever platform you're using, there's an energy that sometimes you can't quite feel when you're, you know, not, conversing, you know, in person. Secondly, written communication, very different. Be mindful of that. I think that's great. And sometimes you have less office politics if you're not face-to-face. -face. So those are three great things. I love that. Yeah. I'm sure there are many as well. But I think that the key points for all of us to remember is, P.S., we're still leading humans, whether they're virtual or not. And Same. we humans, yeah. you know, we, we have things that make us tick, that make us frustrated. That, And we as leaders, when we can tap into what really people value what what they appreciate what they like what they don't like understand the platinum rule versus the golden rule the golden rule being treat others as you'd like to be treated or the platinum rule treat others the way they want to be treated that when we can lead that way in person or virtually it's it's amazing the outcomes that come the happiness the productivity and just the overall goodness that occurs at work so it's great and at home so awesome okay so thank you ralph i appreciate you being with us i appreciate what you shared i love that you had the courage to to get the book updated. Thank you to your wife. I well, think it's great. I think a lot of people will be will be definitely uh, benefited and blessed from that. If if people want to reach out to you, what's the best place for them to either connect with you or your your agency or your book? Is there any yeah. any in particular place you'd like them to go? Yeah, I mean, since we've been talking about the book here, I mean, we we put it on Amazon late last year. We haven't really promoted it as much. This is actually the first time we're really talking about it, and we're going to make a big push for it cool. this coming Let's year. Do it, I love so, it. So, which is kind of <laughs> cool. So, we're here. We are on the Ready to Lead podcast, kind of you know relaunching it to a certain degree. But yeah, you can just uh, Google it. We'll leave links maybe in the show notes for it. But it's over at Amazon. It's Virtual Boss by Ralph Burns. Pick up a copy, and um, yeah lead Love and, it. and uh, read your way to success. So Love you can it. always get me over at tier11.com too. That's where our agency is. And we don't have the book for sale there. So definitely go over to Amazon to grab it. But I, that's where I assume it. it's tears in levels, not tears in crying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> T-I-E-R. Not funny. Yeah. I'm that's just right. making sure. No, that's good. <laughs> Sometimes it's tears. Not today though, because today's Friday. It's a good day. Yeah. It's great stuff. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Though when people are listening to this, it may not be Friday. So, you know, you, who knows? True. That's true. Every day. Think of every day as a Friday. How about that? Right. There you go. Mental awesome, mode. Ralph. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Everybody else, thank you. Hopefully you can take, as always, a lesson or two or an action or three from this. Implement. Try it. Let us know how it goes. Send us feedback at feedback at readytolead.com. We'd love to hear from you. But thank you, everybody. And as we as we say always, Keep listening, keep learning, keep growing so that every day we can be ready to lead. Thanks for listening today. We want to know what you thought about today's episode. If you hated it, let us know. You can fill out a short survey at perpetualtraffic.com slash better. And if there were things that you enjoyed, we'd like to know that too.
Come hang out with us on Twitter at Perpetual Traft. And lastly, if you know another marketer who wants to take their ad campaigns to another level, we'd be forever grateful if you sent them the show. So on behalf of Ralph, Kasim, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Customer Acquisition Show. Take the next step toward growing your customer base. Visit tier11.com and request your customized growth plan. And remember to hit the follow button so you can be notified of future episodes.